Welcome to A Little Self-Reliant, a podcast designed to help you embrace a bit more self-sufficiency no matter where you're at. I'm your host, Ashley Constance, and my mission is to guide you towards practical and attainable skills to cultivate a more self-reliant life. Whether you live on a farm in the country or a house in the city, I believe that there is something for everyone in the world of self-reliance. If you love soul-centered conversations around growing food, sustainability, modern homesteading, and connection to the land that feeds us, then this is the place for you. Hello, good morning, or good afternoon, or evening, or I guess whenever you're listening to this, it's afternoon for me right now as I record this. Today is Monday, January 24th of 2022, and today we're going to be talking all about gardening vocabulary. And I wasn't originally planning on doing this episode, actually, but after last week's super content-heavy episode all about starting your first garden, as I was re-listening to it, I was thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of terms in here, and I'm not sure that the beginner knows what all of these words mean. I know I sure didn't when I was starting. So I decided that today's episode would be a little bit simpler and it would just be a bit more about all of the vocabulary and jargon and words that are thrown around in the gardening world. Before we dive into today's topic, I just wanted to say a deep heartfelt thank you to all of you who have been listening and following along these last few weeks as I kind of muddle my way through this whole world of podcasting. I've been receiving the most beautiful messages and such lovely words of encouragement, and I just wanted to let you know it means the absolute world to me that you keep showing up and you keep coming back to hear me talk to myself every week, because that is essentially what I'm doing. I'm talking to myself in my bedroom right now, and sometimes I feel a little crazy, so it's really cool that it's resonating with so many of you, and I am super motivated and inspired to just keep going with this podcast and keep bringing awesome content to you week after week. Okay, so before we get into today's meat and potatoes of the episode, I wanted to just do what I usually do and give you a little homestead update. So it is beautiful, beautiful weather. We have been having a Chinook for the past week, and we're getting into the positive temperatures during the day. A ton of snow is melting. It definitely feels like spring is on its way, but this is not my first rodeo in Alberta, and I know it's definitely not. So we are just enjoying it while we have it. Um, I am back in school. So as you may or may not know, I'm taking a horticulture program at the local college here. It is all online, which is awesome because I can work at the same time and kind of get school in when, when I have the time. However, there are like set deadlines for projects and tests and exams and all that kind of stuff. So it does really help you to stay kind of like disciplined and on track. Um, So that started up again at the beginning of this week. And oh my goodness, (laughs) it is going to be a tough course. This course specifically, even though it's a horticulture course, this is a business course. It's all about um, managing small business related to horticulture. But business stuff, I find it personally really quite dry. So it's a little bit of a grueling course so far. But it is good to be learning some new things and flexing my brain and all that good stuff. So back in school, Sean has been working his butt off here when I've been away at work. He got all of the flooring reinstalled. You may have seen that on my Instagram stories under the renovations highlight. We got all of our nasty old dark, dark brown laminate out. And we've got this beautiful lighter colored laminate installed through the main part of the house now. And it looks 
gorgeous. So that's new. And then other than that, we're just clipping right along, working on all of our spring planning and infrastructure and garden planning. And that is keeping us super busy. We are really starting to realize just how much we have on our plates this season. So feeling um, optimistic and a little overwhelmed, but mostly just incredibly excited. And we cannot wait for spring 2022's growing season. Okay, so on to the main topic of the day, gardening vocabulary for beginners. So I have 20 different points here, and some points contain more than one term if we're doing a comparison of the two. And so I'm just going to run through really simple, really basic kind of what each term means. And then I have written a blog post as well that will accompany this episode, and it'll all be reiterated on there. And also I do go a little bit more in depth on each thing, um, each term in there. So that will be linked in the show notes if you want to check it out. And as always, if you're driving or busy and your hands are busy and you don't want to write all these things down or you want to reference them later, you totally can. Okay, so number one. Hardiness zone. Pop quiz. What is a hardiness zone? If you listened to last week's episode, you should hopefully know. If not, a hardiness zone is also sometimes called a growing zone. And this is determined by the average temperature minimums in your geographical area. And it dictates a lot of what you can and can't grow. This is absolutely crucial to know when you're planning your garden and shopping for seeds and plants. Number two is average frost date. This is also something we talked about in depth in last week's episode, but these refer to the average last day that your area receives frost in the spring and the average first day that your area receives frost in the fall. When you know your frost dates, you can determine your growing season, which is the distance between the two frost dates. Keep in mind that these are just averages and they do have a 33% chance of being inaccurate in any given year. Number three is annual versus perennial versus biennial. So these are terms that you will hear thrown around a lot and you're going to see them when you're shopping for seeds or when you're shopping for plants at the garden center. So an annual is a plant that completes its life cycle and dies back before the winter season. So these are things that you basically are planting every single year and starting from scratch and then they turn into whatever they're supposed to turn into, whether it's a fruit or a vegetable or a flower or whatever, and then they die back. Things like this are tomatoes, lettuce, peppers, and beans. There are tons and tons of garden annuals. I actually would venture to say that the majority of things that you'll probably grow your first couple of season will most likely be annuals. So yes, annuals, you plant it, it grows, it dies, and then you have to replant it the next year again. Perennials are plants that overwinter in the soil and come back year after year. So this is kind of a touchy subject in the north where we live or where I live because a lot of things that are supposed to be perennials don't always come back if we do have a really rough winter. Generally speaking, these are going to be things like asparagus, mint, strawberries, rhubarb. A lot of herbs are perennials like the thymes and the rosemaries and the sage, chives, that kind of stuff. But a lot of those plants may or may not actually come back year after year just depending on your climate. But if you're lucky and you live in a mild growing zone, then you should have those plants come back year after year. A biennial is a little bit different, and this is a plant that overwinters in the soil and then sets seed or reproduces the following year. So we actually eat a lot of biennial plants as annuals, meaning that we harvest them that first year, and they don't have a chance to go to seed that second year. 
Things that are biennials are things like beets, carrots, and celery. So I hope that's not too confusing. Annual is a one-time thing, and then it dies and you have to replant it again. Perennials in a perfect world come back year after year, and biennials usually set seed the second year. Number four, days to maturity. Now, simply put, this is the approximate number of days for a plant to reach maturity and begin producing a harvest or whatever it's supposed to produce, whether that's flowers, fruits, tubers, etc. Number five, cultivar versus variety. So this is an often confusing differentiation in the horticulture world. This is something that I actually am catching myself doing more and more now that I know the difference. But without getting too deep into the world of botanical nomenclature and plant taxonomy, a cultivar or variety refers to the specific type of plant within a plant species. Tomatoes are all tomatoes, but there are hundreds of different tomato cultivars. A variety actually refers to something that has naturally evolved and changed in nature, while a cultivar refers to a cultivated variety. So this means that there was basically human intervention involved. So this is when you will find plants that were selectively bred and evolved under human manipulation for specific traits. Technically speaking, most quote-unquote varieties are actually cultivars, but many people use these terms interchangeably, myself included, even though it's not like horticulturally correct. Um, And most of the time, cultivar is going to be the correct term. So that's just good to know if you hear the word cultivar thrown around or even if you hear the word variety thrown around, most likely people are actually referring to a cultivar. And now you know what that is. Number six is direct seeding versus seed starting. Direct seeding, sometimes also called direct sowing or sowing, is planting by placing the seed directly into the soil where the plant will live permanently. So this isn't something that you're going to be moving around to a different location. This is not something you're going to be starting inside. You put the seed in the soil outside, cover it up, and that's where it grows. Seed starting is planting by placing the seed into a growing medium, often indoors or in a greenhouse setting in like your little pots in your seed starting mix. And that is where it will begin its life and grow over time to be transplanted to a different location or perhaps even like potted up as it grows. Number seven, transplanting. So when I think of the word transplanting, I think of breaking it down into the word transfer and planting. So you're basically transferring a started seedling to a different location. Often the case for plants we start indoors is that we then transplant them out into the garden in the late spring once the conditions have improved. Number eight, hardening off. And this is something that I have mentioned we will have an episode in the future all about, like the step-by-steps of how I harden off my plants. But this is the process in which a tender little baby seedling is slowly introduced to a new environment. This usually happens over a period of several days, and this is to prevent the plant from essentially becoming shocked when it's transferred to a different environment. If you think about it, You've got this little tomato baby who's been growing in your nice warm heated house under like these perfect lights in this perfect soil and its life is pretty easy, right? There's not a whole lot for it to stress out about. And then if you pop it outside into the elements, there's a lot more going on. So hardening off is basically getting those plants ready for the outside world. Number nine is germination. 
Germination is the process of a seed breaking open and beginning to sprout. So when you put your seed in the soil and then with the moisture and the correct conditions, that seed is eventually going to break its seed coat and the little shoots are going to start coming out. That is what germination is. Number 10 is cotyledon versus true leaves. So cotyledons are the first set of leaves you will see once a seed germinates and sprouts. Their purpose is to collect and provide all the energy the tiny seed needs to begin forming its true leaves. Usually as the plant matures, cotyledons will fall off after having served their purpose. True leaves are the first set of leaves that appear after the cotyledons, and they usually look much more like the actual leaves you'd expect to see on that particular plant. So you'll often hear that you can start potting up your tomatoes or transplanting your tomatoes or whatever um, once their first set of true leaves has appeared. So this is what you're looking for. It's not those first little leaves that come out. It's the ones that come after those first little leaves because those first little leaves are the cotyledons. Number 11 is bolting. So this is something that you will hear a lot in the middle of summer. People will say things like, oh, my lettuce was doing great, but then it started to bolt or it went to seed. So this refers to when a plant that is typically harvested for its leaf parts, so things other than its seeds, like basically lettuce, basil, kale, cilantro, etc., they stop putting their energy into producing leaves and instead they begin producing seed because every plant wants to reproduce, right? Every plant wants to produce seed. And this is the end of its life cycle. So this often results in like bitter, nasty leaves of the lettuce and the kale and whatever else that you wouldn't really want to eat. And like I said before, bolting can also be referred to as going to seed. Bolting is a common problem in cool weather crops such as lettuce. Once the heat of the summer really kicks in, that heat stimulates the plant to kind of want to start its reproduction process. So that's usually when it'll shoot up really tall, the seeds will come, and then that plant is essentially toast for our purposes. Number 12 is determinate versus indeterminate. Now, you'll find these terms thrown around specifically when you're talking about tomatoes. Determinate plants set their fruit all at once because they stop producing shoots once the flowers are produced. Whereas indeterminate plants will continue to grow and flower and fruit kind of indefinitely throughout the season until the weather turns unfavorable and then the plant will die back. So determinate tomatoes are great for those wanting to can or batch cook or have a lot of tomatoes all at once. And then the indeterminate varieties are better for people who want like a slow, steady, constant supply of tomatoes throughout the whole season. Number 13 is leaching. So leaching is the process of a water-soluble chemical nutrient or component like draining away from the soil. So nutrient leaching can be a problem in really sandy soils or soils that drain like almost too well. Oftentimes you'll fertilize and then you'll water and then that water will kind of like drag that fertilizer away. So leaching can be a problem if you live in an area with really sandy soil. Number 14 is growth habit. And this essentially is the way the plant grows. So this can refer to vining or bushing or creeping or spreading, etc., so this is important to know because some plants, like beans for example, have cultivars that can grow in both a vine and a bush habit. So you need to know which one you're growing because if you're growing something in a bush habit, then you don't really need to do anything. It's just going to get there and get big and bushy and grow its beans. Whereas if you're growing something that vines or climbs, you're going to need some kind of a trellis or support for that plant to climb up as it grows. Number 15 is open pollinated. 
And this is a plant that is pollinated or reproduced by wind, insects, or birds, or like any other basically natural means. And these type of plants can breed true as long as they're not cross-pollinated, which means that they pass their specific genetic characteristics on to the next generation. This kind of leads us into the next one, which is number 16. And number 16 is heirloom versus hybrid. This is one that kind of still confuses me to this day, like I'm, I'm figuring it out. But when I first started, this was a really confusing differentiation for me. So an heirloom seed or an heirloom plant or heirloom variety or whatever refers to a variety or cultivar that has been established and maintained, usually by small farmers or backyard gardeners over a long period of time. Heirloom varieties are open pollinated. So that's where that kind of link to the last term is. Hybrids refer to plants that have been cross-pollinated in order to harvest the seeds. So hybrid plants will not breed true because they're essentially like they're a crossbreed, but they are often created for specific characteristics such as things like crack resistance or disease resistance or a variety of other things. Number 17 is microclimate. And this refers to a small, specific area within a larger climate that has a different climate than the surrounding one. So an example of this could be in your home garden, you might have like a south-facing wall of your house where you have a little garden bed, and that's going to get very, very hot and lots of sun exposure in the summer. And perhaps something like a tomato or a pepper would thrive there because they really like those warm, hot conditions as opposed to the shady, cooler part of your yard. So when you look at your yard and where you're going to be growing, you will notice there are areas that get a little hotter than others and there are areas that get a little shadier than others. Maybe there's a low area that kind of gets waterlogged. Those are all referred to as little microclimates within the larger climate surrounding. Number 18 is organic matter. And this can also be called organic material. And simply put, this refers to the carbon sources found in nature. So for the home gardener, organic matter frequently comes from plant debris, decaying leaves, wood mulch, aged animal manure, or other natural components such as blood meal, bone meal, fish meal, etc. Basically anything that can be composted is organic matter. And these natural materials will break down and enrich the soil over time. They will feed the soil lots of delicious nutrients that will help it with its fertility. Number 19 is pH. And this takes me back to like high school chemistry class. This refers to the acidity or alkalinity of the soil. And this can be really important when growing specific plants. One example would be blueberries because blueberries require a slightly acidic soil. Personally, for me, in my six years of gardening, I have never tested my soil. I have never put much stress on my soil pH because I'm growing a little bit of a lot of things, right? Like a wide variety of stuff. Everything seems to do pretty well. I've had no significant issues that have led me to believe that the soil pH is a problem. But depending on your particular situation, you may want to take that into consideration. Number 20 is soil amendment. And this refers to anything that is added to the soil to improve its quality. Sometimes amendments are added to improve the soil fertility. Um, sometimes they're called fertilizers. 
Sometimes they're organic matter. These can be natural or synthetic fertilizers. And other times amendments are added to improve the soil's physical qualities, such as its texture. This would be adding something like coconut coir or something that's going to give the soil a little bit more tilth, a little bit more fluffiness. Or maybe you're adding some sand or mixing in some sand to your soil, which wouldn't recommend, but that is a thing that some people do. Anyway, the the point of a soil amendment is to amend the soil, to change the soil, improve it in some way. All right, so that's that. 20 quick points for you that hopefully improve your understanding of some of these gardening terms that can sometimes get a little bit confusing. I am still constantly Googling. I am looking things up in my books. I do not have all of these things memorized, but you will hear a lot of these terms thrown around the more time you spend in the gardening community. So it's just really important to have an idea of what they all mean. Okay, that is it for today. That was quick and easy, hopefully. It was easy on my end. I hope it was easy on your end as well. And I will be back next week. We'll be talking about something else that is not gardening related. So you'll have to come back to see what that's going to be. But I hope you have a wonderful week, wonderful day. Take care. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to A Little Self-Reliant. I hope you learned something or felt something or maybe even gained some inspiration to try something new. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at a little self-reliant, or you can follow our homesteading adventures under the handle Dirty Paws Homestead. You can also visit a little self-reliant.com to see the blog post and show notes that accompany this episode. And until next time, remember, we may not be able to do everything, but a little self-reliance goes a long way. <laughs>